Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether our children are hitting all on all cylinders or not, just by the mere fact that they are our children, we still take care of them. Just because of the yep. fact that they, they could have bad grades, they could not be doing their chores, but just because they are our children and they have representations of us, we still get their hair cut, we still get their hair done, we still buy them nice shoes, we still buy them clothes, and that's the way God deals with us. Because we miss the mark so many times a day, but he still loves us. He still cares for us. He still nurses us. He still provides for us because we are representation of him. Welcome to the Dear Son podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now, here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. Let's get it. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men have vulnerable conversations about the fatherhood journey. And sometimes these conversations are light, sometimes they're heavy, changes from guest to guest. I never know until we start the show. Start the show, we shall. I have, you guessed it, an amazing guest on the show tonight. Welcome all the way from the great state of Virginia, Jermaine Lewis. Jermaine, welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. How are you, my brother? Good, good, good. Glad to be here, for sure. Let's get right into it, man. We don't want to keep the people waiting with a lot of chit-chat. You wear a lot of hats. Yeah. A poet. Mm -hmm. You're an author. You're a barber, master Mm -hmm. business owner, Mm -hmm. visionary, content creator and curator. Here we go. You are here tonight beyond all of those things because I admire you as a conversationalist. Oh, I appreciate you. Of those things, what is the most enjoyable for you? 
of the things that you just listed, I think creator is the most fun. The most fun. Yeah, yeah. Because as a creator, you know, uh, I have the ability to create the atmospheres that I'm that I'm in. I can I can create the rooms that I sit in. I can create worlds that people meander through. Uh, I, I, you know, I have a whole universe that I created that people subscribe to and, and, and happen to love. And, and those people in that universe are just as real to me as you are sitting where you are. Like they, they are like real walking, talking, breathing human beings. So I, I never get writer's block because, because I know their personalities. All I have to do is put them in a situation and then I let the character do what I believe the character does. Let's let's come back to okay. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that is that is a you have a strong command of where you are today. But let's talk about how you got here. Were you always the creative type? W w when did you tap into that that part of you? Uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the origin. Well, you know, I come from. Uh, a long line of storytellers. Like, like my father, you know, at the family functions, when everybody got around, when everybody sat around to converse, he took center stage. And so, so from, a, from a very small child, I saw the art of controlling a room. Yeah. And so early on, he let me loose and I would go and I would go and I would look at him and I would go and I would look at him just to make sure I wasn't going too far. And then every now and then he'll say, oh, OK, all right. OK. But then, but for the most part, he, he, he never shut me down. And so so just the excitement and the adrenaline uh, that, that would flow through me to see this whole room hanging on my every word. You know, I've always felt like, yo, I, I, I'm going to do this in some way, some shape, form or fashion. And and not to go too fast and not to go too far ahead of, you know, what we're going to be talking about. That's the reason I became a barber, because going inside that barbershop and just yeah. seeing everybody moving around and talking. I, 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 I used to be in that barbershop and I say, man, everybody used to laugh and, and you know, uh, have such a great time listening to my stories. I say, like, how can I yeah. stay in this environment and be a productive human being? I, mm, I can't, at an early I, I, age. I said, well, the only thing I could do, I can't just sweep the floor. I, I probably need to become a barber in order to stay in this environment and, and, and be successful as a, 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 an adult. Let's tap into your, uh, your relationship with your father a little bit more because yeah. clearly he was, he was a master of ceremony type of right. person. It sounds like he controlled the room with right. ease. What else did you get from your father? What was that relationship like growing you up? You know, it's funny. Um, because my father, just like many of the guests that you've had um, before me, my father is the greatest man I've ever known. But mm. the interesting thing about my father is that he has never, up until this point, and I'm, I'm going to say this first, and then I'm going to go back a little bit. I, my father has never, ever, Giving me any advice. Really? Never. 
So not not just overtly, but I mean, it, it's 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 all it's all been just by demonstration. I, I but I mean, he's never intentionally taught me how to do anything. Like he's never wow. sat me down and said, "Son, this is how this works. Son, this is how you do this." Son, this is how you say this. Son, this is how you behave here. He's never, ever done that. Like, I'm talking about even when he taught me how to drive, he never taught me anything. He just, I just sat in the car and we drove. He never said, slide over. He never, he, he's always just let me go. Always. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Come, cool. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got to pull it just a little okay. bit with a couple of questions. Right. Do you know anything about the relationship he had with his, with his father? And do you think that played anything, played a part in why he is the way he is or was the way he was to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So my grandfather and my father are like, they were super duper close. Like um, my dad even to this day, um, still goes to my grandfather's house on, and, and all of the, all of it, like my, my, my family dynamic on my parents, but both of my parents were the oldest of nine siblings. So my mom had wow. nine siblings and my dad had nine, or I think wow. they made nine. So they had eight siblings each. And so my dad was the the man on both sides of the family. So like if anybody money ever came up short, you know, my dad took care of it. If anybody needed anything, my dad took care of it. Now I'm telling you that with this in mind, I did not grow up like rich or like with a silver spoon, although I never went without anything, but my dad gotcha. didn't like just spend money. Like if my mom, we, me and my brothers always talk about this. If my mom, spent the money that my dad made, oh, I would have been the freshest guy around. Uh, but I, we wouldn't have had no money. Like, so my dad paid for my college, like out of his pocket. Like I, when I graduated, I owed no money, you know? Uh, wow. But my dad always bought my mom a new car, but it was always the new economy car. Like it was the, it was gotcha. the, the, the uh, Mitsubishi Mirage. It was brand new. It was the Hyundai Excel. It was brand new. But he ain't buying no Lexus. He ain't buying no Benz. So it was other kids in my neighborhood that I thought made their parents made more than my dad. But when it was time for us to go on a senior trip or when it was about time for us to yeah. get a class ring, they didn't have the resources to do so. They didn't have, you know, their ring was a little Altrium jank. You know, my, 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 my ring, I remember it was $500. And my dad was like, so my dad said, yo, you, you think money grow on trees, huh? But then he wrote the check. So we had a senior trip. I don't know if you remember that, but it got canceled because we didn't have enough people that that uh, that that had the money to go because it was last minute and and we was going somewhere yeah. crazy. But they canceled it. My dad gave me a thousand dollars. Like he just wrote me a check. He said he said you going on a trip. I was like yeah. I think it's like six hundred dollars. So he said all right. Well here's a thousand. And I and I took my money. So where did he where, where did he get it from? Where did he get it from? Because like we we got to get it back to him not verbally teaching you things, but he gave you a lot of information through action. Right. Where did he get his resourcefulness? Where did he get his money mindset? So I asked him. Was that from your grandfather? No, so like, so my grandfather um, only had a third grade education, but he was the most, um, 
uh, I'm trying to use the word uh, um, ingenuity because he made so many inventions. He's a farmer. So he made so many inventions that that helped him in his agriculture like uh, 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 pursuits, like like he made like a, his own irrigation system. He made like like traps for for the rodents. Like it, it was just so many things that I saw him do because he had to create it in order to be successful at what he what his passion was. So my dad, like, well, my dad, it, it was something crazy that happened to my dad. I like my dad actually went. Um, to Vietnam. So when my dad went to Vietnam, and this is interesting, and, and, and since we're talking about fatherhood, I think it's important for me to share this. So my dad went to Vietnam and he was the radio man. So he saw so many people die that was trying yeah. to hit, not him, but they was trying to hit the radio. So, mm. so many people died that when my dad came home to this day, there has only been one man that's ever visited my house. Like there's only been one man that's ever visited my house my whole entire life. There's only one guy that I've ever seen come to my house to visit my dad. And, and, and I remember going to, I don't know if you remember Farm Fresh. It was uh, uh, Farm Fresh yeah, on Mercury. Yeah. So we used to always go there. And like my dad was a very, very athletic and very, very outgoing um, person in high school. But Vietnam changed him. So when he came back, mm -hmm. he would see people. People would see him and be like, what's up, James? And I, and I see their energy. And then he would always return to them. Hey, hey man, how you doing? So yeah, he I had got gotten to this place where everybody that he had gotten close to died on him. So while he was there for three years, everybody that came into the platoon, he wouldn't even associate with them because he didn't want to feel the hurt of losing them. So, you, you know, I, let me interject because my, my dad was in Vietnam, mm -hmm. too. He was a medic. So he, he saw a lot of people mm -hmm. die. He had to come home in the middle of his tour to bury his father. Mm -hmm. And he went back. He could have gotten discharged because he was the last boy in his family. His father died, but he chose to go back. And when I had a conversation about it with him, I asked him, did he ever mourn his father? And he said, no. And what you're saying now kind of clicks for me because he saw so much death in parallel mm -hmm. with his father mm -hmm. dying. I think somehow he processed that as another death that he had become numb to, not numb in the sense of dismissive, but to deal with war. That's that's why. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So. My dad never formed. Like friendships like when he got back. Like he, he just, he's gotcha. still to this day, he, 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 he's not like, uh, he's not like an introvert, but you can clearly see that he's just not with the, he's just not with the, you know, being out. It's, it's kind of difficult for me to explain because like everybody in my family thought that my dad was really like to himself and, and, um, and kind of like reclusive, but they knew him better because of the fact that like when they saw him in certain settings, you know, he was the life of the party. But once 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 I became of age, he completely relinquished that role and he was just completely content with just watching me do it. 
What? Do, so what? Do you think that was a deliberate transfer in his mind, or was it just natural? I, I, like he he saw you growing into that space, and and that was enough, or um, or what? You know what? I, I asked him so many ways about his parenting um, that help answer that question. Um, he said he's always done. So so I went, I used to go to friends' houses, and they had to ask to go in the refrigerator. They had to. Uh, they, they, they didn't cut the heat on until it was a certain time. They didn't cut the air, AC on until to, uh, to, uh, to a certain yeah. time of the year. And I remember um, in my house having space heaters and the air conditioning on at the same time. I remember taking showers for hours. I remember mm. going in the refrigerator countless, um, numerous times all through the night making food, whatever, any time of the day. And I used to ask them, and I remember my mama washing clothes every single day. She washed two or three loads of clothes every single day. Like, it's so funny. And, wow. I, and I'm saying this because I want you to understand the, the parenting and the, because he led my house with the way that my mom raised us. It was all based on what he allowed and what he basically like manufactured. Like he let my mom do her thing, but it was always under yeah. the guise of um, this is how I want the household to be the household to be ran. So the structure. So the structure was y'all yeah. y'all do what y'all want as long as it makes sense. I'm talking about I had the basketball goal in my backyard um, with the concrete, so everybody from everywhere came to my neighbor came to my yard to play basketball. And water. Yeah. I'm talking about the water hose was pumping all night, all day. Everybody drinking water. It, it was crazy all day. Like he never said anything about a water bill, electricity. He never said anything. And so I asked him. I said, "Hey, wh like, why did you not care about those things that I saw my friends' parents?" care about. He said, because it never made sense to me. He said, it never made sense to me to have children and to limit them from things that children do. Wow. So there, there was no real stay in the child's place in your house. Or is that oh, too much? Oh, no, 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 no. Now he was a no nonsense kind of guy. It is, okay. it's, it's very okay. interesting, man, because I'm the same way. So in parenting, I believe that a, a child can be a child and still be in control. Like, for example, I let my children do whatever they want to do. Like we in the mall, right? We in the mall. They can okay. go anywhere they want to go. Walk anywhere you want to go, right? Do, do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But when I say come here, I need you to come here immediately. That's the difference. Right. I get that. That's the difference. I get See, because that. I believe yeah. in, in exploration. I believe in, you know, navigation of your emotions and your feelings and, and, and of the world is what actually shapes you as a person. Yeah. But I believe that you need to be under control. So like, just like I told you before, he never intentionally taught me anything, but he taught me everything because he didn't tell me that I couldn't say this and I couldn't say that. And, and if I went too far, he just say, I right, stop and I stop. But so let, let me let me let me throw this in here, because I think this this was the aha moment for me that started this podcast when I was reflecting on my relationship with my mm -hmm. son. It sounds like in your case, the expectations were clear, whether they were verbal or not. And you honored the expectation. You were allowed to explore. You were allowed to, to touch things and see things. But you knew that there was a level of respect for him and the family. And the expectation was. Was there. Is that is that, that fair? That, look. 
Absolutely. Because you understand, you know, I was a class clown of our school. Of Hampton High. So, so, the, so the story. Yeah, goes. yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 so <laughs> definitely the yearbook says. Yeah, <laughs> landslide sure. victory. So, 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 so yeah. I'm the class clown of Hampton High. I was a class clown of Lindsay Middle School. I was a class clown of Bassett Elementary, but I never got rolled up. I, I get that. And I'm seeing some similarities because I was the one that cut up with everybody else in English, but I never had to take the exam because I cut up after I understood right. the work. So, 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 so life is about roaming and being free, but knowing that there's a boundary there. Yeah. So, so I played and I joked and I made everybody laugh until I saw the attitude and the temperament of the teacher change. So when I seen the attitude yeah. and, the, and, the, and the temperament of the teacher change, just like when I saw my dad's face change, when I had the whole room lit and I see his face change, I shut down. So, so yeah, when yeah, I had yeah. the classroom lit and I see the teacher change, I shut down. It's over. I, I know when it's over. That makes perfect sense. And it's helped it, like reflecting on who you were when I met you in the time that in high school where we were together. That makes a lot of sense because you would never. I never saw you as disruptive. You would you were joking. Right. Right. It, it never it never went too far. It was never in bad taste. Mm -hmm. So that makes a, that makes a whole lot of sense. How how, how much of that do you credit to? Your success as a business owner, as the author, mm -hmm. as the all of those things that we have yet, right. <laughs> yet to get to, how much of that did played into to successes in, in those various spaces in your so life? So years ago, I prayed and, and I asked God to tell me what my gift was. And I, I was scared of the answer, but however, I got the answer anyway. And so my gift actually is the understanding of people. So, so with Paul, pa pa mm -hmm. pause, pause, pause okay. if you would. Why were you scared? Because those are the things that catch me in conversations, like the, the not the result, but the anticipation. Right. Like, why, why, why were you scared at that period? See, see, whenever you go to the Creator, like whenever you have complete reverence and um, understanding of um, autonomous power. Uh, it's a lot of things that we think we want to know, but in all actuality, mm. if we ever really found out, it, it would mm. change our lives. Mm. So I was scared of the possibility that whatever he told me would be too much for me to handle because I'm a thinker. Yeah. And, and sometimes yeah. I tend to overthink. So, so I, I was just scared of like, like, like what, 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 what is it that he's going to say? And is he going to say that my gift is something that I'm not using that would make me uncomfortable to use going forward? Typically. Because because maybe he's going to tell Typically. me that like your gift is uh, uh, how you survive with nothing. So get rid of everything that you have and go yeah. out here and be an example to those uh, uh, uh that that, that 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 also don't have. So you, you tapped in with um, who God is and the reverence as it should be uh, for, for what he is to humanity and to, and to the world, right? 
where, where it takes me immediately is when people say things like, God knows my heart. Oof. Don't you know that's like the like the, the scariest to me? That's like one of the scariest realizations that you can have. Yeah. God knows my heart. That that's not a um that's not a get out of jail free card. That that should be a very um humbling thing to come out of your mouth that causes you to pause in real time and think about exactly where you're at. Let, let, let me let, let me tell you this like I always explain their relationship with Christ as a father figure because I think everybody can handle mm-hmm. that comparison. I think everybody yeah. can handle the fact that um, God deals with us the way that we deal with our children. So whether our children are hitting all on all cylinders or not, just by the mere fact that they are our children, we still take care of them. Just because of the yep. fact that they, they could have bad grades, they could not be doing their chores, but just because they are our children and they have representations of us, we still get their hair cut, we still get their hair done, we still buy them nice shoes, we still buy them clothes, and that's the way God deals with us. Because we miss the mark so many times a day, but he still loves us, he still cares for us, he still nurses us, he still provides for us, because we are representation of him. He's investing us beyond belief. So so with that being said, I've always prayed, not as vigorously as I should, but I've always Mm. prayed to be able to trust my heavenly father the way I trust my earthly father. Because when my earthly father says something, I know it's done. When my earthly father, just his presence alone, and I've always aspired to be just like him. Like I never worried about anything because he always came through. And so yeah. in a in a in a very, very crazy and a twisted way, it's it's weird for me not to 100 percent believe. Oh, okay, now nah. I know that God, watch this. I know that God can do all things and that he has all power. My yeah. doubt is, and this is what the devil does to us, is make is, is is when I believe that yes, God can do all things, but I am not worthy of him doing it for me. Yeah. And and, and back to the other point, what is it, what does it mean? What does the answer mean for you? What does it have what do you have to change to accept that answer and to do the thing? To follow the instruction that he gave you. That was my challenge. And it, man, cr- this is not crazy because this is this is the intervention that I needed. Right. So I realized probably something happened at 40, 42 now. I'm sure you're close, if not the same age. At 40, it really struck me that my faith was like credit based, like my, mm. like it was like, it was as if my parents had co-signed for the level of faith that mm. I had because I was counting on them to get to God just in case I wasn't, as you said, hitting on all cylinders. And it became a real heavy thing that caused a transformation in me when I realized that now I am that for my children. Not that that is the answer, but that is probably how they view me. Like I am, I am the, the marketing committee for God in my house. Mm. 
Like what, what am I showing them about relationships and trusting them and leaning on him and having a relationship? And that's something that I did not have early. I was at church often. Parents were, you know, notable, uh, you know, position holders at the mm-hmm. church, elders and treasurers and, and, and choir leaders mm-hmm. and all that. And I did my part to look good for the mm-hmm. family. I got out in the world and realized that all I had was uh, tradition is not so much relationship. Took me down the road, got a family that came full circle. So it's, it's, it's really, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because it's confirmation for some other things that I've been processing in, in life. But it, it, it's something when that burden hits you. But now that I've accepted it, I'm cool on a lot of stuff. As it happens. Oh, I got to have surgery. Wasn't expecting that. Right. Cool. Oh, this thing broke down. This like I have really adopted that to a level that come that sometimes kind of scares me. And again, it's not dismissive. But it's just the maturing in the relationship with God that you have to have. I think you got to have it as a man child survive in this world, black man child survive in this world. And, you know, wife and kids. And it just infinitely uh, increases the level of, of faith and trust that you got to have in God and work on that relationship. I don't know how this turned into a Bible no, study. Or a, uh, no, no. A testimony because, period. No, because it, 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 it's, it's, it's who we are. You know, um, yeah. going to, you know, that father figure, you know, just like what you said, I'm cool with it. You know, um, my father, I've never seen him unravel. Like, I, I, it doesn't matter what happened. I've never seen him lose control. And I think that just like what you were talking about before, about, you know, uh, it, it just takes me to when, you know, they did, they did studies and I'm not real clear on the percentages, but you will get the point, you know, like if a, a sibling goes to church, you know, they can probably get about 20% of the household to go to church. You know, if a mom goes to church, she can probably get about 60% of the church of the household to go to church. But if a dad goes to church, Oh, yeah. you better believe a hundred percent of the people is going yeah. to church, you know? So my dad had us in the church early. And I think that even if he didn't 100% have a grasp on spirituality or spiritual things, I think that he believed in the principle enough to never show mm. us any fear or uneasiness or any doubt that, the creator had it under control. So let's pause right here. Let's pause right here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hold that thought. We're going to hear from a sponsor. We're going to pick it right back up because I want to understand how much of that you've adopted and what challenges you've seen and overcome because of his influence and what's been instilled in you and how you uh, like how you implemented these lessons in your adult life. We'll be right back. What's good, fam? I know you're enjoying the episode, but I am excited to share with you today a brand new sponsor to the DSP family. Tate Wellum, T-A-T-E-W-H-A-L-U-N, Tate Wellum. High fashion accessories, watches. I mean, the timepieces are exquisite. If I do say so myself, I prefer the executive collection. There are several to choose from. What I need you to do is head over to their website, T A T E. W-H-A-L-U-N dot com. When you get to check out after you fill your basket with all the things that I know you're going to find there, use the code 
the DSP, T-H-E DSP for 20% off. They'll know that I sent you Tate Welling, black owned, responsibly managed new sponsor to the podcast. I look forward to the continuing partnership. God bless. Back to the show. All right, we're back. Definitely didn't want to lose that placeholder where we were. We were getting into some, we were getting into all the things that are meaningful uh, as it relates to being a man, being a father through the lens of a relationship with God and how that has impacted each of us. I want to pick up where we left off about your father not being rattled, no matter what it was. He always had the temperament because of what I would say is his relationship with God. So there's church, then there's relationship. I just want to make that clear, right? It, it sounds as if he had a, a true relationship with God that impacted how he dealt with life and the things that life throws at him. I'm interested in as you mature into late teens, early adulthood, how much of those principles informed how you live your life and maybe some of the, the challenges that you had to that you really had to rely on what was put in you when you came to those when you came to those challenges in life. OK, so. They all affected me tremendously, like uh, to this day. I've been married now for 20 years and I've never, mm, I've never yelled. Thank you. I've never yelled at my wife. Mm, say that again. I, I, um, <laughs> I, I feel like because of watching him, I've never seen him yell. Like, so I've always equated yelling to being out of control because I've always seen him as a picture of control. So to see to yell and that be something that I've never seen him do is the direct opposite of what I aspired to be, which was to be in control. So, yeah. so to this day, you know, I've, I've had two compliments that have basically helped me stay on this path of life that I'm on. So one was in high school when people say, man, you are the craziest and the wisest person that I've ever known in one person. Mm. So that's been one that I've carried since like 96. I've always, yeah. I've always held that in high regard because it just, I, I don't know. It's just something that just felt down to earth to, to me about that, that statement. You know, I, so I, I love that compliment. Um, and as I gotten older, the, the, the second one that I love is you are always the same. Like every day that you show up to wherever you are, we know what we're going to get from you. Like you are so consistent. With yeah. all of the things that you got going on, you are so consistent. We've never seen you really, really up here and we never seen you really, really down here. And, and so yeah. that, um, it, it, I believe, is 100% attributed to what I've grown up seeing. Like I, I've always... Um, admire that about him. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's move into adulthood, right? You're, you're a father of four. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right. Let's talk about, um, when you became a father, mm -hmm. was there anything that you immediately pulled from what you had seen? as an example, that you think was part of what helped you get through those early stages of transitioning into fatherhood? Yeah. So 
the one thing that I, uh, I was conscious of and something that I always teach others is I've always felt that my dad never tried to live through me. I've always felt that, however, he did always expect me to do the things mm. that I showed him that I could do. Gotcha. So, so with my children from an early age, like, and, and I tell people this, like, you got to set the foundation. Like to this day, my kids really, really are sensitive to my voice and it's intentional um, because I was always sensitive to his. Now, because nothing yeah. burns me up more than when I see guys in the barbershop tell their kids to sit down and that kid don't even look at them and they just keep on doing what they're doing. I, and I, and yeah. I tell them because, you know, I, um, this is another thing that people know about me. Like I'm a very, very straight shooter. So I would say to my man, I say, yo, that don't bother you. But I was talking about, I said, don't bother you that your son don't respond to your voice. That, that, that doesn't do anything to you that when he hears your voice, that he doesn't respond, like he doesn't look at you. He doesn't react. Yeah. He doesn't obey you. I said, that doesn't bother you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I said, well, uh, we'll talk about that later. But like, so it was very important to me that my kids always responded to my voice, you know? So, so I, I've never tried to be that person that did a whole lot of talking, you know? So like, once I say, Hey, y'all sit down. If they didn't sit down, the next thing that happened was a blow. Because I need mm. you to know that this voice means something. Yeah. And I tell so many parents, a lot of parents that parent alone, they get so tired of the day in and day out discipline of raising a kid. And so a lot of times they let a lot of stuff slide. And I say, but you got to realize that kids understand that my mom or my dad says something to me seven times before they do something. So they ignore you five times. Yeah, they ignore you six times, and maybe on that seventh time, when your voice changes a little bit, they they you know they, they they start to do something. I said, but that that's yeah. embarrassing to me. And so I've always practiced with my kids. Like so, we will go around the house, and I say, hey, this is the follow me game. Y'all follow me. So I walk, jump on the couch. They jump on the couch. I jump off. They jump off. I go up the stairs. They come with me. We go in the in the bathtub. Step on the toilet, come on back around because I need y'all to understand what follow me means. So now when we out in yeah. public, now when I say follow me, y'all know it's like a game to you or something, but it's doing what I'm asking you to do. And so because a lot of parents get their kids out in public and ask them to do things that they never work with them on. And so now you now you embarrassed because this kid yeah. is not listening to what you're saying, but you ain't never told them to sit down when they adrenaline was pumping. So it's new for the kids. It's new too. for the kids. So, so, so the kids looking at you like, what you talking about? I'm hyped up. You know, so so back to what I was saying before, my dad always expected me to do what he knew I was able to do. So like when I tell my kid to say hello and they say hello, now every since I know you know how to do that, every single time I ask you to say hello, you need to say hello because it's no longer your decision. I know yeah. you know how to do it and I know you hear me. So you need to do what I say, do and no exceptions, no, 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 no exemptions. So because I see parents do this all the time, say, say hello to Mr. Jermaine and the, the little kid curl up into the leg and, and they were like, oh, he's just sleeping right now. No, no, no. Your child just oh, disobeyed you. That's what they did. And you're making an excuse for expectations because yeah. I always went to the extreme when it came to parenting. Like, so for me, if I say, hey, come here and you don't come here. 
And I said, <laughs> okay, I right, let it go. So now it's child abuse to where I decide that if you don't come here when you standing in the middle of the street and a car coming, and then all of a sudden I go and get you because I'm scared, I whoop you. But I let all those other come here's go. That's confusing to the child. So because now the child looking at you like, hey, you told me to come here the other day and I ain't coming. You ain't whoop me. But now when I was standing yeah. over here, you said, come here. and You ain't whoop me. Now you want to whoop me. Oh, so what's going on? So I just believe that yeah. it's about consistency. My father was very consistent with me. So I do the same exact thing with my children. Like I just try to be very consistent with them. And I need them to know that whatever I ask you to do, I need you to do it. I need you to do it right now because that's a reward for you because I let you rock. I let you do whatever you like to yeah. do. I let you do all these things. So like, you know how people talk about you know, uh, I, I ain't raised, I ain't get no kids because, you know, uh, I don't be asking my kids to do all this stuff because uh, um, um, kids supposed to be kids. Da, da. No, no, no. I'm going to ask my kid to come all the way downstairs to give me the remote control because that's what you're here for. <laughs> that's what you're here Big for. Fact. You know, the crazy, the, 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 what I, not even the craziest thing, what I picked up through that whole explanation is that. You put your kids in a position to where they can't trust you because you're not consistent. Right. The things that worked at home or didn't work at home, you get out in public and now the parent is expecting something different. Mm -hmm. But you don't have those expectations set. You haven't set the, uh, the precedent. There's no ongoing example for them to tap into to say, hey. If I do this, this would be the result. Every time. Right. Or at least not every time, because you got to be like that. That That's 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 a dope approach to parents, especially the follow me game, because I, I was with you. And then I, I went into to student mode. We started talking about the follow me game, because one thing that I take pride in is everywhere that my family has been literally around the world, different parts mm -hmm. of the globe. When we're out as a family, it never fails that we get complimented like your kids are so well behaved. Mm -hmm. My kids are so well behaved because I have looks that put the fear of God in, a, in, in them at home. We set expectations, but I never made it fun. Mm -hmm. And my kids are old enough now where we can have, I can accept their feedback. I asked them for their feedback, which was different from my generation. That wasn't really feedback mm -hmm. that we provided. But th that's where I've been missing. Like I've overcorrected with, like my dad was serious. Mm -hmm. There were times when we were clearly having fun, but. If you had to describe him as serious, if he's on a pulpit, he's serious. If he's reading scripture, he's serious. Mm -hmm. If he's coming home from work, he's mm -hmm. serious. And I just kind of adopted that and took it to the extreme, which yielded the benefit, again, of my kids being well behaved in public. But I lost some of the. The softer, the soft skills, right, mm -hmm. with that, with their. Would they'll come to me if. If they're in trouble. Or they feel like something gives well, they're not nervous, right? I haven't made it comfortable all the time. And that's something that I've become aware of over the over the last couple of years. But I hope, I hope none of what you said went over anybody's head. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I think that none of us are perfect. And I think oh, that true. and I think that if you had to err in parenting, that that was a good one to miss. Like the soft skills with your kids. Okay, cool. That's why you, you've been blessed to be in a two-parent situation to where hopefully, yeah. you know, if it's, if, if it's just for a lack of a better term, that good cop, bad cop, like, um, yeah. um, 
I, I think that that used in um, moderation is also a good tactic um, because there needs to be a high level of respect somewhere. There needs to be a very, very safe place somewhere. And a lot of times it's very hard, um, like that shampoo that lies to us, that tell us that it's going to wash and condition our hair at the same time. Like, <laughs> how are you going to do that? You know, so so how are you going to be, you know, this disciplinarian, this person that demands so much respect and also be the place where I can go and tell you anything? You know, yeah. I, I just I, I think that, you know, a lot of things that we do uh, or, or that we think about in concept are just really, you know, humanistically, if that's a word, impossible. You, you know, you know, you know, so so it, it is uh, it is. I think that, like you say, to work on that is good. I think that just like when I was teaching school, I think it's always good to go in hard. I think it's always yeah. good to just be stern in the beginning and then soften up as time goes by because the child will never forget. The students never forget how it was in the beginning and that they know that you are capable of being that person. And so it just keeps a boundary of respect there. So that look, and look, yeah. as cool as we are, it's some stuff that you won't never say to me. And I need you to know that. I need you to be on edge at all times. You know, sure it, it's some stuff you don't never say to me. And so, you know, I just, you know, it just, I think that in this all-inclusive world that we live in now, that a lot of the roles have been blurred. A lot of the lines have yeah. been crossed and crisscrossed and tangled up. It's just some things that it's just is the way that it is. Just like if I got a set of twins, a boy and a girl, and it's nighttime, mm. I, I don't think that there are too many people that would disagree with me that if I need somebody to go to the store, I'm sending my son. I don't care how inclusionary this world becomes. If there's just certain yeah. things, there's just certain perils that you just feel like are just more susceptible to the girl than the boy. Yeah. And so yeah. you're sending the boy. So it is some things that I don't care how, you know, equal and, and unilateral the world becomes. There's just certain things yeah. that are just the way they are. I think you have to have that to establish and maintain a structure in your home. And it doesn't have to be the structure for everybody, but that's the structure for your home. To the extent that it doesn't cause detriment to your, to your family. I mean, that's there are things that I'm just in my house. That's just how it is. And I'm not I'm not interested in, in convincing you. No, I'm really not interested in explaining half the time. But it's it's how it is. And if it works, so I get that. if it works for your household, for the woman to be the dominant figure, then I mean, do whatever works for y'all. That, that, that's what the whole yeah. world is really about. And that's where we all need to get to is like, stop judging each other. Like, like, we OK, let, let me say this. We all judge each other. We all judge Every people. Day. But when your judgment affects how you treat people is when it becomes problematic. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we all judge. We, that's just, it's just the way we are. But don't let your judgment affect how you treat people. So yeah. if that's what you want to do in your house, if that works for y'all, cool. Yeah. You know, um, there, there, there's a conversation that I, would, I could have with you that would probably get you to go against that because I'm just kind of trying to wonder how that woman is going to look at you over the long haul if she's just completely dominating you as the man. I don't know how that works out over the, the, the length and the, uh, uh, of time. 
I don't know if that yeah. becomes perverse in some way for her that you become like a child in her eyes. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know um, per se, but I would like to ask you the question to figure out if that yeah. makes sense to you or not, and if that's gonna actually work for y'all household dynamic over the long haul. But whatever you say is your it's cool because that's your answer. But I would just ask you the question like, do you think that's gonna work for a long period of time? You know, um, because it's yeah, just for the sake of being inquisitive. That's just and, your, your and, nature. and one thing I would like to share is that I feel like, you know, in this day and time in our, you know, culture, you know, um, be it because of, you know, the, the systematic structures that have been put in place that they, we have a lot of um, boys um, that were raised by single moms. Uh, um, yeah. And I think that guys... Uh, get to a place where they look for a woman that was strong as their mom, and it's and 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 they will lean to letting that woman do what they saw their mother do. But I always yeah. encourage single mothers to always be clear with their children that this is not the way that I would have it be if I could have it different. And like this, like I would love to have help. I would love to have a man yeah, be yeah, in this yeah. place or have someone be in this place that I wouldn't have to do all of these things. And so, yeah. so it starts a bad cycle of a guy thinking that a woman is supposed to do all of these things because how can that woman show that man how to be a man? And, yeah. and so there's something, like I said, perverse about the fact that even if you are a strong woman and you got a man that is submitting to everything that you do and say over time, it becomes a problem because something in me says that I'm not supposed to be dominant over you. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that, yeah, I think that I think that'd be a, a very interesting conversation to have with somebody in that. Scenario. Absolutely. Like I, I, I couldn't put myself there to give it any value right. in, a, in in what I think about it. But I, de I definitely, I definitely get your perspective. But write that down though, because we're gonna talk about that when we bring all the the the, the guys together. For yeah. sure, the, the tour is yeah. coming. Believe yeah. that. Yeah. Um, got the producer in the house right now. All right, so man, we we getting we getting into it, and I love it. I, I wanna I wanna shift a little bit because number one, this isn't gonna be our last conversation, so I'm I'm, I'm saying it now. My audience knows I always get to the end, and oh, we didn't have enough time. We don't have enough time. All right, get over. <laughs> That's I'm gonna say it every time. So let's 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 talk about um, let's get into the author, right? Because I think I think if my if if my assumption it's correct that everything you do has a common theme, right? That it's, it's somehow true to who you are as mm -hmm. a person. So I don't get the sense that when you write, you go off and become this fictional other being to get in the space to write. So I want to talk about how all of these things, we, we got to peek into what has informed your life, what your examples were and are. How does this show up in your writing or does it oh absolutely so i really believe that my gift is p 
people and understanding people. So anything that has to do with people, I've always experienced a great level of success because I can I, mm. I always just got a good feel for how people feel about like what I say, what they see, what they what, what they do. Like, I just got a good feel for it, you know, so. I have also been blessed with a great level of common sense. So, you know, people always come to me and ask me to break certain things down to them, like, you know, give it to them in layman's terms. And I'm I'm the king of yeah. analogies, you know. So yeah, so yeah. if if I had it my way and if I was someone of note, I would have just written a self-help book. But because hmm. reality hit me and I realized that I'm no one of note and no one outside of Hampton High, Norfolk State, um, you know, all of the many people across the world that I've had the pleasure of cutting knows me. And that's only a couple of thousand of people, uh, but I'm really trying to hit millions. Um, no one would go to a bar Barnes and Noble or bookstore and say, oh, this guy, Jermaine Lewis, wrote a self-help book. Let me see what he's talking about. So so yeah. the way that I decided to get my common sense knowledge out to the masses was to disguise situations and problems in the confines of a novel, create mm. characters that look like you and me, your wife, your mom, your grandfather, and your auntie, and try to encapsulate inside of these characters enough identifiable traits that you would identify mm. with them, see their problem, and say, I'm experiencing something similar to that, and then see their solution that you find reading through these pages and say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to me. Let me try it. Mm. You're going to get this help. You're going to get this help. Through the story. <laughs> you're going you're, you're to so get is, this help. Is the, you, 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 I know, so that, this is, this is the, the book, the project that is to be released um, soon. At the time of this recording, it, it, the release will at least be identified, the release right. date. It may have already been published, depending on when this is right. released. Has that always been your approach? I know you've written several, you know, you've written more than 10 books, right? right? Has, has that always been the approach? And if not, what what changed this time to where that was an aha moment? Like, I have to, I need to do it this way this time. Well, you know, I've always been, I call myself a, a great storyteller that will not lie to you. So, mm. oh, <laughs> a great storyteller that will not lie right. to you. I right. get it because the impl the inference that storytelling is somewhat right. untruthful. So I always wanted to entertain, but I only feel like entertainment lasts if the person feels like that entertainment is helping them in some way. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think help is what actually captivates an audience. Um, hmm. That's why like laughter is so important to a, a person who speaks, because everybody, whether they know it or not, is in need of laughter. So so when a speaker or a preacher, you know, if they start with a joke, if they start with a song, if they start with something that makes a person smile, you know, it, it, yeah. it sends it, it releases like a set of endorphins inside of your body that makes you pay attention. Welcomes the absolutely because maybe if I listen, he'll do it again. Yeah, 
<laughs> you know, how, how much of how, how much of your experience um, is, you know, your experiences are are woven into the, the, the storylines of this this book. To be so honest. every one of them is not mine, but because okay. and it's so funny because um, I really know that these books are going to do very, very well because I write to a live audience. And um, I did a soft release one time and I got 109 five star reviews. Um, 110 was a three star um, because the lady said that the book wasn't formatted, formatted right. And it wasn't. I just put it out there just to see how Amazon worked. And but she said, this is the best story I ever. It is people. It's funny how people review stuff. This is the best. She said, this is the best book I've ever read. I've ever read. The storyline was impeccable. Da, da, da. But the formatting was wrong. You know, you know, da, 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 da. so I just got to give it three stars. Yeah. I said, OK, thank you. They, they, they have to apply. They have to apply their limitations so that they feel good about it. Because seeing it through your lens may be beyond where they're at in right. life. So by 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 pointing out something that you may may not have been up to par, they feel like now they're educating you. Now they have a one up on you. <laughs> and sometimes that's sometimes that's where they pull their worth from if they can they can counsel somebody. Absolutely. Else. But like, we we gotta go, we gotta go back oh, because you said oh, something. Wait, hold on, that hold on there. So what you said, what you asked me was so all of the storylines in the book are from real people and they are real situations. Um, I just lend them to different characters. Um, sure. Um, you know, based on how the story flows. And, and it's interesting because of what I was saying was I believe that the book is going to be uber successful. And I was telling, you know, my, my management team that I was going to stop, I would stop being a barber, you know? And they said, ah, you probably don't want to do that. And I was like, mm, why? They were like, well, you know, a lot of your inspiration comes from the talks in the chair. And, and I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. You know? So the, the approach that you're taking, you said you write to a live mm -hmm. audience. That kind of went over okay. my head. Break it down for, for, for the listener audience. So they, they, or break it down for me. Maybe I'm the ignorant one. What, it, what, is, what does that mean? Yeah, a lot of people don't know what that means. So you're not alone. Um, so, so I created a, uh, a Facebook group, a private Facebook group of 100 readers. I mean, these are vivacious readers. I'm talking about they are like they did, like read a whole book in a day kind of people. And, gotcha. okay. and they have consumed thousands. I'm like, well, most of them like hundreds of books. Um, and, and I, and I wanted them to tell me, you know, chapter by chapter, you know, if this book was holding their attention, if this book, if that chapter made them want to, uh, uh, uh read the next chapter, it, I wanted them yeah. to help me keep the continuity of each character in these stories consistent with, uh, the point and the message that I was trying to get across. Um, and so, uh, every day, and I needed them too because writing the book is very difficult. There are so many other things that you can do rather than write a chapter to a book. But when you have an audience that is waiting for the next chapter, sometimes it will propel you to go ahead and type when you don't really feel like typing, um, just to make sure that you keep your audience, you know, engaged. You know, so yeah. um, I've written a book in 30 days before, you know, because I committed 
to my audience that I would complete this book in 31 days, you know? Um, and so, uh, it, it, it's been awesome. You know, I, I recommend people to do that, especially if you're going to write, um, fiction, um, you definitely want, you don't want to get excited by your own stuff. Like you, you don't want to get lost in your own press. Like you always want yeah. somebody to be able to bring you back to, you know, reality or confirm, you know, the emotions that you was trying to, you know, emote out into the universe. Yeah. You want to make sure like, so when I type a chapter and I send it out in my mind, I already know, okay, this should make people sad. So when I read the comments and everybody in the group has to comment or, or you get kicked out, that that's the, that's a requirement. I need to hear something from you. And I also need you to comment without reading everybody else's comment, because I had a time where up. people were reading other comments and because they didn't want it to sound redundant, they would create something else. But I need your authentic what comes to your mind. Yeah. And if I really done a good job, I have a hundred comments that basically say the same thing, you know, in, in a, in a nutshell, because I know what I was trying to create with that chapter, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I get it. In terms of the, the emotional right. theme. Of, yeah, right. I get that. Right. So it, it, does the book have a title? Right. Oh, yeah. So the first book that I'm releasing is called how much more you need. Mm. Yeah. And, so what I, ooh. yeah. so I, I know what that is. I know what that is emoting. If that's the word in me mm -hmm. right now, because <laughs> it came up on a previous episode. One of the first people that I had in conversation on this platform was saying that a pivot in their father, their father, their approach to fatherhood, being a good father was asking their children, asking his children what they need from mm. him. Not what they need from the store to buy for the project or gaming systems. How is daddy not showing up? Right. Right. Immediate correlation when you said that. I'm not saying that's what your book is about, but if you could, and we could peek inside exclusive, right? Dijon's. Dijon's gets mm -hmm. exclusive. That's what we mm -hmm. do here. What, what, what would be, see the best way to ask it. I'll let you choose. The, the three types of people that would benefit the most or the three themes that you think will resonate the most that are in this first release? What more do you need or how much more do you need? How much more you need? How much more do you need? Who is that talking to? It's talking to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but overall it's talking about relationships. Um, and it's also talking about the acquisition of things. Um, is if I was to use an analogy, I believe that God looks at us in the same vantage point as we, you would look at your son after you have bought him, let's say 20 gifts for Christmas. Um, but the bike that he, that he wanted, um, wasn't in stock and you had plans mm. on getting him that bike. Um, and, uh, you know, whenever it came back around, the, the store clerk told you it'd be here in two weeks. But you bought him PS5. You bought him all these other things. He opened all the gifts and was smiling. And then came to you and said, well, where's my bike? And so yeah. in your mind, it would it, it would suffice to say, well, son, 
even though you know you're going to get the bike at a certain time. When you look at all of the money that you spent, when you look at all of the things that you made a way that he would have, you could reasonably yeah. say, well, son, how much more do you need? Gotcha. You know, so I think that if most people did an honest inspection or a survey of all of the things they have, they would pray different. Because some of us pray and we are in a posture of asking for more. Lord, please bless me. God, God, please increase my finances. God, God, please, please uh, 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 make me stronger. But but we neglect to say, God, thank you for all the blessings you've already given me. God, thank you for health and strength that I have right now. God, thank you for the job that I have right now and the money that I have right now. So a lot of times we are always thinking that God is a, is a is some type of ATM machine and we don't never stop to think because just like your son, hey, dad, where's my bike? Son, can you pause for a second and tell me thank you for the PS5 and all these shoes and all these clothes and all these video games and all these controllers? Like, can you say thank you for that? You know, so so we, it, there are so many things if we did an honest inspection of all of the things God has already blessed us with. And we think about all the things we keep asking him for. He could say to us, how much more you need? So on the yeah. cover of my book, the guy is proposing to the woman and all he has is a ribbon. So one of the prevalent questions in the book is, you know, what if I had the biggest diamond ring to propose to you with, but I had no commitment to go with it. But, mm. but, but what if I just had this string, no diamond ring, but I had 100% commitment, which one would you take? I would love to hear the honest response on that. Yeah. I would, I genuinely would love to have an honest response on and that. And now I've done that, I've done the survey and, and the older the woman, the more seasoned the woman, the more life experiences the woman has had, they always go for the string. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it, 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 <laughs> it's something about life. It's something about life that makes you understand that uh, all of the things that you see on social media, all of these relationships that you see and all of these relationship goals and all of these things, most of them are just for social media. Like, like yeah. as you get older and you start to talk to more people and you, you open up your ears, you do less talking and start doing more listening. You have realized that a lot of these pictures that's being posted, a lot of these hugs and a lot of these kisses are just for the gram. They are just for a photo op yeah. because most of these people don't live in the same room with each other. Haven't have a, a conversation with real words in forever. Yeah. But but here you are complaining to your significant other and how beautiful your relationship is about we need to take more pictures together. We, we, we need to go on more trips, not knowing that you are bringing drama in your household to a picture that was taken five years ago to some people who don't even live in the same house no more. Come on. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we man, we. Uh... So the book is about all that. <laughs> the book the book is about all yeah. that so let, let, I mean as we wind down let's talk about your family and how they feel about you and your writings 
not just your writings, but your your philosophy, because that's what I, I don't think it's overstepping to say that all of those things that we let off in the introduction or that I let off in the introduction are different, are related to your philosophies in life, about life, about love and relationships, about God, as we talk through mm-hmm. this conversation. Do these philosophies work in your house? How do your children feel? I guess to kind of kind of orient the the the, the listening audience and the, and the watch the viewing audience to what age are your children? What's the house dynamic now? And if they're of the age where their opinion is accepted, how do they how do they feel about pops and his uh his grand philosophies that people cling to? Yeah, so I have a twenty year old, I have a sixteen year old, and I have two 13-year-olds. It's interesting that you ask me this because I get this question a lot. Um, Hmm. And my my children don't really question my leadership because for one, their mom respects it so. Um, that's worth the pause. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and used the word you used was respect. Right. Yeah. She, 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 she really, really respects my leadership style because it's full of respect for her. Pause again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, man, if we want the respect, we have to be worthy of being, if we want to lead, we have to be worthy of being followed. Right. And that's not followed in a subservient perspective in my home. I'm not speaking for Jermaine. He speaks for himself very well. I am not looking for a servant. No. I am looking for respect. And that respect that I learned through trials and tribulation is when I am inclusive, when I am communicating well, when I am at a very basic level considerate of how she feels. And so, but we also have to understand that we all want submission and what, but, but the, the word offends people because they are ignorant to what it really means. So submission just means agreement. Yeah. And that's why I said subservient. Yeah. yeah I wasn't talking about, I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I get yeah. it. So like, so when, when you have a, a wife that submits to your leadership, it just means that she agrees with how you lead, you know? So, um, so she agrees wholeheartedly with with how I lead. And now the interesting dynamic um, in the way that my children see me um, is described like this. So in my church, we have a, a, a leadership board. Like we have a, a, mm-hmm. a, a wall that has a picture of all the leaders, right? In, in my church. Now, for years, I led uh, the youth ministry or uh, a portion of the youth ministry without the title. Gotcha. Like, so there was a person that was leading uh, that figure that was on the wall, but everybody in the church knew that I was the actual leader and that picture didn't mean anything to me. Like, I'm not a, you know, a title person. So, yeah. My kids came to the church 
And I saw them looking at the wall, really analyzing it. And then they came to me together and said, but where's your picture? And in that moment, I realized that in every area of my life, they have always seen me in leadership. Yeah. At the barbershop since they were little kids, you know, at the church, you know, in our home, on any any sporting team that I've been on. You know, like I'm the quarterback on our flag football team, the point guard on the basketball team. They've always seen me in leadership. So like in their mind, they only know me to like be in charge. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I don't really know if they could even imagine me not leading them, if that makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. Because that, that's all they know. They know me to be a leader. Man, so that, 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 the story that you just shared about them, like I, I see them looking at the wall. I imagine it's long. I imagine it's a lot of pictures to look through to find yours. And they can reasonably think that they're just missing as they're scanning it. But they were looking for the picture because of your activity. Right. Not because you constantly told them that you had a position. Right. I believe purpose beats position every time. Every time. Jermaine, you... um. You still deep. Right? Mm. <laughs> you you was deep then, you deep now. I really appreciate this conversation. Um the time the time is far spent, so I wanna I wanna save some for the next 10 to 12 conversations that we have. Absolutely many conversations we have. Uh I, I appreciate you, man. This is uh I pray that folks are giving this the attention that is due. Not because of who you are, who I am, but what was created in this dialogue. Absolutely, I know. I know it's, it's bound to help. I mean, and you know what, Derek? One thing I will say, you know that, um, man, I am just so godly proud of the work that you are doing. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of a platform that's so clean and so neat. Um, hey, y'all! For for those of y'all who don't understand what's going on here, Derek sent a videographer to my house he's sitting right over here you know watching me do this like it, it, it this is top level production and one day the world will be blessed when mm. they click on the dear son podcast um and like he just said not to see me you know and um not to see him but just to see the conversations that's being had because uh, generational curses will be broken. Um, I believe um, I believe that young boys will have this as a blueprint on how to parent, how to father uh, with intention, yeah. you know, and, yep. and I think that it's the younger generation. I think there's a lot of generations that are already gone too far. But I think that um, as I work with the uh, city of Norfolk in the police department, we talk about going to the elementary schools. But I said, because if we can get them, yeah, I said, don't, yeah. I say, hey, the, the, the kids that's in, 
you know, high middle, you know, middle school and high school, you know, they may be, you know, a little bit out of our reach. But if we can grab these kids that's in kindergarten and first grade mm. and, and, and show them mm. a better way, show them that they are loved and show them that they are appreciated and show them that we need them and that we're counting on them to be great among us. I say, I think that's when we start changing things. So when people start clicking on this podcast, when they, I can only imagine this is going to be great. And like, and I'm just, I'm just proclaiming this right now, Derek. This is for you. I receive that. I receive when a before a a man meets his child for the first time, his wife is pregnant in in the labor, uh, in, or about to go into labor, that he puts on a suit. And he, and he combs his hair, goes to the barbershop and get a haircut and say, because I want my first time that I see you, I want to be on point. And, mm. and, and on their way from the barbershop and on their way from getting mm. that suit and getting it pressed and tailored and put on, they got this podcast plan. They say, you know what? There's some tips mm. and, so, and some understandings that I need to get from, D, from, yeah. from Derek Johns. So, so I can yeah. be all that I need to be to raise my child, my son, my daughter, you know, to be the best that they could be in this world. And, 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 we, that, and we, and we will thank you, sir, you know, for, 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 for the work that you're putting in. Man, it, it is conversations like this to give me, uh, the fuel, mm -hmm. um, to help me grow and stretch mm -hmm. me. So I, I appreciate it. This is a shared platform. I'm just curating. Right. There's no, there's no conversations. I can only do so much with a monologue. Right. I get tired of hearing me, but when I hear these other perspectives, like I said, it helps me to think things through differently. Right. Cause I'm still figuring it out. Oh, absolutely. And 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 part of the message is it's okay that you don't know. Right. Be intentional about figuring it right. out though. Cause that's what you'll see on this podcast. You'll see me grow. You'll see the guests as they return have matured perspectives and help uh, you know, in a different capacity as life deals them lessons that you know that they could share with with the public man i i, I appreciate it. i used there was a time even during this platform i've shied away from accepting what this will be mm -hmm. and again it's not don't miss the message mm. this will be what god intends it to be and i'm cool with that yes sir it's gonna be big yeah Man, I, I appreciate you i want to make sure that the people understand how to follow you how to get to the book because uh, the book will be available very soon. And I want to do something special for the listeners. We'll figure it out. But I'm going to buy 10 books from you and we'll figure out how to get them to people that need them. Oh, All right? much so appreciated. We'll, we'll, we'll work that out, man. I, I believe in you. The, the conversations that you, uh, <laughs> that you, that you um, facilitate just with comments. I know this book is going to be special and I want to make sure I can, you know, do my part to support, man. Yeah, they, they can find... Everything about me, um, follow me, purchase anything from me. Very, very simple is JermaineLewis.com. Got it. And it'll be here because technology allows it to be yeah, there. Yeah. All right. For the listening audience, man, you made it this far. You, you, you should be following. I mean, if you've invested this much time, you owe it to yourself to follow. If you watch this far on YouTube, you owe it to yourself to be a subscriber, to be part of this community. So you can say, hey, I was, yeah, I'm. I'll push this thing forward because that's what we want right. to do. I'm not going to beat you guys over the head like I normally do. Um, the time is far spent. Again, we, we appreciate Jermaine Lewis. We will uh, update any way I can support, promote as this platform grows and expands. I'm here for you, my brother. Uh, but for the audience, we appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace.
The Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.